0: Uh, bow with your heads with me i'm gonna i'm gonna start our, our communion this morning and um it's entitled know yourself so that you may know god let's pray god thank you so much for this time to be in your word thank you for jesus and his his model his example we want to be close to you and close to each other to bring you glory and to change our worlds for the greater good so just let me pray Amen. Amen. That phrase came came from Augustine in the early centuries of Christianity. Uh, he did a lot of work. There's a lot of work that was done on knowing yourself, and I think we've kind of lost that spirit uh, in today's age of Christianity. Is who are we? And it's important because relationships are key. Relationship is key. It's if you were to sum, summarize the Bible, it is relationship. It's with God. And each other, those are the most important things. Jesus sums it up when he's asked out of all the commandments, which one is the most important? And he says to sum it up, love God and love your neighbor, people around you as yourself. And I want you to be fully aware of how much God cares about you, how much God thinks about you, how much God sings praises about you, and you need to know that and understand that so you can be richly rooted in his love, and it will help you love him deeper and love people more deeply. And that's an important idea. I'm in this book and in this material called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. And the material in there is so encouraging and so truthful because it uses the scriptures to enhance this idea that God uses us through our emotions to bring about his glory and his work on earth. And one of the phrases in this material that I really keyed on was, it is impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. The two are together. They're related. They're they're linked together. And those moments when you're by yourself, And there's moments when you're all alone in the quietness of your house or the quietness in your office. How well do you know yourself? How much time do you spend thinking about you? Sometimes we spend our alone time thinking about others and what they need to change and what they need to grow in. Sometimes we do that. Like this person needs to grow in that. I need to change that. And my husband and my wife. And then there's less time for us to go, hey, who am I? What am I experiencing? How am I? doing am i aware emotionally of who i am you know i want to ask you to turn with me in luke chapter four we're going to be there this morning but i wanted to reference three passages where jesus expressed emotion now there are many more but i just picked three for you know time's sake jesus and the bible describes on purpose the emotions of jesus because he was fully human He experienced our emotions. And I want just to read to you some of the emotions that Jesus felt while he was in human form. He was God in human form on the earth. In Mark 3, he looked around the Pharisees who were distrusting of him and faithless. He looked at them in anger. Jesus looked at them in anger. And he was deeply distressed, meaning he was grieved. He felt sad he felt sorry for them because their hearts were stubborn. In Luke chapter 10, it says Jesus was full of joy of the whole, in the holy through the holy spirit. He was happy. He was excited. I wonder what the words he used when he was joyful. You know what words you use when you're happy? Yes. Come on. Let's go, right? I wonder what words he used. In Matthew 26 describes Jesus as being, he confesses, I'm overwhelmed. I'm afraid at the same time. Jesus felt mad, glad, sad, afraid, overwhelmed. In his book, Emotional Intelligence, David or Daniel Goleman defines emotions as distinct thoughts, psychological and biological states, and a range of propensity to act on them and God created us to feel a wide range of emotions you know Karen gives me this emotional wheel because I stumble and struggle with what I know the obvious I know when I'm mad I know when I'm happy I know the obvious ones right but there are many other ones where I'm unaware of during the week that I'm feeling but I'm I'm systematically suppressing Cause that's what I do. I just, I got, I got to go grind function da, 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 and I will systematically suppress things. I'm feeling that are not super heavy, but are lurking under the surface. And Karen gives me this emotional wheel that she, and whenever, whenever I see something judgmental or hurtful, she so says, look at your wheel, look at your wheel. What are you feeling? I'm like, ah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> frustrated. That's it. I'm frustrated and I go down to the roots, and I'm angry, right? But it gave me a word to latch onto. It helps me to discover where I'm at. It's important where you're at emotionally. If you neglect that and try to become spiritual without growing emotionally, you'll stunt your growth. You'll never really achieve that. You'll end up just being a judgmental Christian, a harsh Christian. Okay? So Karen gave me that wheel and I'm committed to exploring that part of my humanity. It's okay. God likes it. I'm made in God's image. And so are you. We're made in his likeness. You have the same range of feelings and emotion. Are you aware of that? Are you aware of this realm? You know, for many years, I was suspicious of anyone that had strong feelings. No, no. The reason why, because I was taught, if you have, if you give it your feelings, you will sin and fall away. You will go back to being worldly. That's what I was taught. That's what someone told me. So I was always like, hey, if you're feeling, be careful, those guys. Be careful. You'll leave God. You will leave God if you have those feelings. (laughs) And I would warn people. And I would be wrong suppressing feelings. Because to save them spiritually, you can't think like that. Boy, was I wrong. (laughs) Boy, was that so, like, wrong and disjointed. But it's better to obey than to feel that was my that's my philosophy i'm still trying to shake that off you know it's better to obey than to feel and so i want i want to tell you this morning where i'm growing spiritually when i deny my pain when i deny my losses when i deny my feelings year after year i become less human we all become less human i become an empty shell with a smiley face at church. Hey, it's good to see you. How are you? I'm about as real as a $3 bill. And the call to discipleship and the call to relationship, because that's what we're trying to foster in the scriptures is relationships. The call to discipleship includes experiencing our feelings, reflecting (laughs) on our feelings, and then thoughtfully responding to our feelings under the Lordship of Christ, of Jesus. I don't just fly off the handle and do what I feel, but I put that feeling under the Lordship of Jesus. How do I channel that? How do I process that? People ask me all the time, how, how I'm doing. Sometimes I feel like I'm doing a terrible job leading a church, and other times I see God working. So I'm in, I'm in between going, God, you're doing stuff, but I feel like I'm not doing a good job. It's a constant <laughs> feeling. I just wanted to put it out there so you know. It's important that you know how how I'm doing. We never ought to control or to manipulate or to coerce disciples. We're We're never called to that. What I think we are called to is to encourage, is to inspire, is to challenge them and each other to be more like Jesus as we reveal ourselves. I always never liked when someone challenged me more like Jesus when they never said anything about themselves. It's always awkward. Like you're super disciple apparently. And I'm just a struggle. When I reveal myself to someone else and then I call them higher, it is something magical that we're doing this together. We're both in it together. I'm not superior to you. I'm not better than you. I have feelings just like you. So we have to not create a false identity. So in Luke chapter four, let's turn there. Jesus is in the wilderness. As I told you before, whenever you hear wilderness, you think spooky, darkness, demons, powers of darkness in the Old Testament. Same in the new. Jesus meets Satan there. This is the Genesis three guy, the rebel, the very first rebel ever to defy God. This is him. He's kind of in charge. He's the first to the door. So it says in verse uh, verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. Temptation number one, I am what I do. Performance. The devil said to Jesus, If you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. You know, Jesus hadn't done much up to this point. He's been around 30 years on the earth and he hadn't started his ministry. He was hungry. He's made no contribution to the world. And he's saying, hey, look, make this stone into bread. Our culture. Ask us the same questions. What have you achieved? What have you done? What do you do? You ever notice that? The first question is, So, what do you do? versus, Who are you? Tell me about you. We rarely enter those conversations with someone we meet. We always go, It's always a meet someone new. Hey, how are you doing? So, um, what do you do? Tell me about yourself. Tell me what you like. So, here's Jesus. Being tempted to do something by Satan, where we in our culture define success by our work, by our family, by our school, and by who we know. If you live that way and you don't go inward and realize that, it leads it can lead you to shame and depression. I'm not good enough. And maybe you blame other people for your situation. Earthly success can tempt us to find our value, to find our worth outside of god's inexhaustible love for us and so jesus answers satan as a one who's anchored in god's love it is written man shall not live on bread alone are you aware of how much god loves you and i want to encourage you to spend some of your quiet hours by yourself in contemplation thinking about that God is not a bigger version of your earthly father. He is the perfect version of your earthly father. He's everything you wish your father was. He is. Temptation number two. I am what I have. Possessions. The devil led him up to a high place in verse five and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, I will give you all their authority and splendor It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it'll all be yours. Jesus is taken to see all the magnificence and all the power on the earth. And the devil looks around at him and you and what everybody else has. Jesus doesn't have anything. How can you think you're going to be somebody? How are you going to survive out here? You're a nobody. And the devil tries to play on a profound issue that slows you and I down. Fear and the source of security. Huge attack on Jesus. Our culture tends to measure us or measure our success by what we have. Adults measure ourselves through comparison. Who has the most comfortable life? who's got the best, easiest job, who has the most beautiful body, who has the most degrees, who has the most awards on their resume, who has the most letters after their name. Our sense of worth can be tied to a position, even in church. I'm an evangelist by my role. I'm a disciple is who I am. I will one day take this role off and take this hat off and someone else will do this for the church. It is my role. If I confuse those two, I'll be, I'll be an utter emotional distraught because I'll never want to take off my role. I'll never want to step aside. And I look eagerly to step aside to raise another young man to take on the mantle of leading the church in Shoreline. I look forward to that. It's a story. And you maybe you saw the movie Amadeus. Whenever I hear that word, I always go, Amadeus, Amadeus. I don't know why I think that <laughs> in my head, but I always think that. In the movie Amadeus, there, in, in, a, in King Louis' court, there's a musician called Solari. He's a court musician, and he's very good. He's amazing. But unfortunately for him, Mozart is in the same court, and he's a genius. So although Solari was good, Mozart can create a symphony in his head. He was just an absolute genius. So Solari concluded it with envy and jealousy that God loves Mozart more than me. And he was full of hatred and envy in the movie. He forgot how much God loved him the same as he loved Mozart. You know, because we have different gifts, we tend to rank the gifts. We rank gifts. Oh, Geo is the speaker. It's a my gift is no better than your gift. My our gift is only to so the body can function properly, right? So it can be healthy. So your gift is a value to the body. What if we were all preachers? None of you would listen because you'd be like, I do better than that, right? <laughs> right? I'd be like, Ugh, it's a uh, church, right? So it's good. This is my gift. I'll use it to the maximum of my ability. But you have gifts. You're God's hands and his feet. And it's used to build our relationships with each other, to build on each other to help each other, and to love each other. So Jesus responds to Satan in the temptation. He says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The third temptation is, I am what others think of me, popularity. Verse 9, the devil led him to Jerusalem, and he had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift up, they will lift, they will lift you up into their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. It is a reality that some of us, if not most of us, if not all of us, are addicted to what others think of us. It could ruin our day. And so Satan takes Jesus to the highest point of the temple. It says, jump off and the angels will rescue you. And then they'll believe in you. What a way to start the momentum. People will love you and they'll praise you. And at this point, Jesus, again, hasn't done much. Jumping off might've been a good idea. Most of us place a high premium on what others think about us more than we realize. What will I say or not say in this conversation? Do I tell that person that they hurt me or she hurt me? He hurt me. What kind of career will I pursue? Well, I better not say, I better not say trade school. I better not say a plumber or an electrician. I better say something more noble, like a doctor or a lawyer or an executive. We start to play these things in our mind. How will I be accepted in my society? You know, our self-image soars with a compliment and it can be devastated by a criticism. I learned something in therapy this month. I want to share with you. I'm in therapy, by the way. Amen. Amen. Therapy is the most profound change I've had in my life ever. I'm going to share some of you that I did not know. But I know it was true because I realized when I thought about it how true this is. I was telling my therapist how sometimes I argue with Karen. Fight with Karen, get mad at Karen. And she goes, you know, Gio, the word you is only to praise others now think about it gavin you are a smart person gavin's like it's true and i'm fired up right mike you are good at explaining things to other people mike's like someone recognizes yes you know (laughs) steve no one can estimate a building like you can You're thorough and good. And your bosses realize that. She's like, recognize people, recognize, right? You get so encouraged. (laughs) You are awesome. You're amazing. Think about about when your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend says, honey, you're the man. You're like, finally. No one at work recognizes that, but I'm glad (laughs) you do. (laughs) I mean, you get so fired up. It's only to be used for praise. Now try it the other way. You're selfish. You know I don't like that. You're arrogant, you're prideful. And when you when you hear that, what do you do? You gotta defend yourself. Wait, like, wait, wait, let's just break that down. And you and you defend yourself and then you launch a counterattack. That's what that's the only thing you can do. You is meant for praise. So in your relationships at home, use the word you just to praise and you catch yourself doing the other kind of you which leads to shame and to guilt because we want to guilt people and shame people to stop behaving that way you stop that you know i don't like that i mean you can add any adjective but try that at home see if it lifts up your relationships at home also i discovered the word why is also deadly why did you do that why did you do that hey i'm gonna go here why hey i did this why hey I, I went to the store why it's crazy think about those things we are always in the habit of guilt and shame it takes practice to lift up it takes awareness to go hmm you're amazing. Now, if I want to say something to inspire you, to challenge you, hey, may I make an observation? Yes, I noticed. Da, 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 and I think you could da, 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 and grow and benefit. Da, da, da. That's an encouraging time. Versus, you know what? I noticed when you're at church, you get this look on your face. You come across prideful, bro. That's gonna really inspire this guy. Mm-hmm. I just <laughs> lifted him up. Yeah. In like, fact, that might be his last church service, I'm old right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but I want you to think about your family at home. Sometimes we don't realize how negative we sound. We've gotten so much into the habit of being negative and pointing out mm-hmm. negative things that we lose complete sight of how negative we really are. How's your day? Oh, it was rotten boss a jerk this and that no one wants to work hard around here i'm the one who works hard i'm doing everyone's job around here versus i'm exhausted i'm spent i'm discouraged when i talk like that karen leans in karen's like give me a hug i'm like well i wasn't ready for the hug but okay. <laughs> I wasn't, usually i'm not ready for the hug yeah. Yeah. when i start saying she wants to hug and i'm like Oh, gets a challenge. <laughs> right? I, I just want us to make aware that we are emotional people. And that God will use us through our emotions. But I want to equip you on how to use them and channel these things the way I've been learning myself to channel them. I've not arrived, but I'm, I'm realizing our emotions God will use to further his kingdom. You sense things in people. You sense situations. And God will use that because he's using that, that part of you to reach people. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, I had to park there. Good. True out. freedom. True freedom comes when we no longer need somebody special. We no longer need to be someone special in another person's eyes because we know that we're lovable and good enough because god loves us so i want you to turn to one more passage before i give you some questions in first john chapter three i want us to be free but we have to help each other be free we have to help each other See what, verse 1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. He's like, look, guys, I want you to know how much God loves us and he lavishes on us that we should be called his children. We are his kids. God loves us. Think about how much you love your son or your daughter. Think about that. Today I, I walked outside, I saw my son's car and I saw a dent in the back. I'm like, know where that came from? Okay, he's got some bald t- tires. Okay, I'm gonna have, get him some new tires. I'm gonna help him. It's what dads do. And how'd you get that dent? But Okay, I'm gonna focus on the tires. <laughs> I'm going to focus on the tires. He needs new tires. He drives a lot. Think about you as a dad, how you think about your kids. I love this guy. I love when he's not doing great. I love when he's doing good. I just love this person. That's how God feels about you. That's why you, we should stop trying to be somebody in somebody else's eyes. Let's be free. Let's be free. People are always trying to get Jesus to be the king. It's like, no, no, no I don't want that. I, I, know where I, I know where I'm loved. I know who I am. So here's three questions. And I want you to ask them to yourself. I want you to spend some alone time just thinking in solitude try to be thinkers. Thinking is so underrated, right? It's, It's easier to judge than to think. And so we should be thinkers. We should think about these things. We should meditate. We should contemplate. Here's question number one. Do I feel the need to prove myself by my word, my words or deeds? Do I feel I need to prove myself by my words or deeds? Okay. I'm guilty of that. I'm always praising myself at home in front of Karen. I'm awesome. I did this for spray. See that? See that? I see what I did there, honey. Karen's like, I was going to praise you in a minute. So, oh, sorry, but I just, <laughs> you know, I, I had to tell myself that. Okay. Second question: Do I feel content with having less possessions than others? Do I feel content? with having less possessions than others? Do I feel content? And thirdly, do I feel afraid of how others view me? Do I feel afraid of how others view me? True freedom comes when we no longer need to be somebody special in other people's eyes because we know we are lovable and good enough. Let's pray together. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for lavishing your amazingness on us. Thank you for giving us a pathway to freedom. Thank you for teaching us that the you is meant for praise, God. You are awesome, God. Your church is amazing. Help us to be the hands and feet for you. Use our emotions that we can put them under the lordship of Jesus as we help and get close and inspire and call up each other to be your hands and feet for the kingdom of God. We're so grateful and we're so thankful for this time for Jesus as we remember his amazing love to sacrifice himself for the joy set before him, he went to the cross. The joy to go to the cross for us. He wasn't reluctant. He wasn't angry. He was joyful to go to the cross to give us salvation. And we honor him and we honor you this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.